Before we get into today's episode, we wanted to tell you about SV Pod, hosted by Scott Van Pelt alongside Stanford Steve. This podcast brings you high-level sports analysis as well as stories of two dads raising kids. Plus, find out every Tuesday what they hate and see if you agree. That's SV Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, offers exclusive content Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Alongside Malika, there will be a full cast of NBA experts and insiders, including Kendrick Perkins, Chenea Gumake, Vince Carter, Zach Lowe, Woj, Ramona Shelbourne, and many of our NBA reporters from around the league. Get caught up with the latest from around the NBA on NBA Today on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap, and also available as a podcast. Listen to NBA Today wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm UFC double champ, former UFC double champ, Daniel Cormier. That is my friend, pro bowler and Super Bowl winning, Ryan Clark. What RC, up, how you doing today, my friend? Look, hey, bro, all it took was one person on Twitter to go, Ryan, don't dress down because of DC for you to show back up in DC. your Sunday's best, huh? That's how we doing this? No, bro, listen, that wasn't even it, man. Last show, <laughs> I was going to be late. I respect your time so much as a two-division champion or former. <laughs> two, no, you know what? You're never a former <laughs> division champ as the, the two-division yeah, yeah, champion. Yeah. And you know, and so I said, you know what? I wanted to be on time last week, but this helps me because I can leave straight from here and go to uh, NFL mm-hmm. Live, and I don't have to miss a beat. I can even stop I mean, and get me a chai tea latte. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what a what a show NFL Live is. I'm just a little bit tired of you always patting yourself on the back with your great, my NFL Live, Dan Orlowski, my two favorite Daniels, all this other stuff. But it gets ridiculous, Ryan. It gets ridiculous. But, guys, we got a show to do. I'm not going to even let him talk anymore. I see. Coming up on this show, right, we are going to talk about the grudge match that is UFC 270 and Ganu versus Gan. We also will get to the trilogy, Moreno versus Figueredo. Yeah. And we also got to tap in and tap out. Mm-hmm. We always got to tap in and tap out. You know it. But Ryan, one person that didn't tap out or they did tap in last week was Calvin Cater. Absolutely. Calvin Cater tapped into the main event. Yep. And this dude showed up after a year away and he defeated Giga Chikadze by decision. But what a performance by Calvin Cater on Saturday night. You know, when, he, when I think about it and I look back on it, the, the last vision I have of Calvin Cater is fighting Max Holloway. And obviously he was on a roll before that fight and he was so great striking, but Max Holloway was just in a zone that night. And then Giga Chikotse, he was coming up and he, he had the big win over uh, Burrell. And I was like, okay, this is different. Right, like like this dude could really be one to compete, and and once Max Holloway fell out of the fight, he's trying to kind of position himself to fight against yeah. both, and he's upset that you pick the Korean zombie, and he he it almost seemed like he disrespected Calvin Qatar in, in, in a little bit, and to watch Cal come into the fight, the the, the elbows, right, listening during the. The, the, the broadcast, they were saying, okay, elbows are going to be big in this fight. He took him down. To me, this is the first time we got to see uh, Chikatse in, in a fight where it was a true mixed martial artist match. And I think we saw him understand that it's a little different in the octagon than it's been in some of his other organizations and some of the other uh, ways that he's fought. 
you know, for me, it was about the evolution of Calvin Cater. And it also showed that in the time away, RC, he didn't rest on his laurels. Yeah. He got better. He learned from the Max Holloway fight. You know, they always say this in sport. You don't lose, you get an opportunity to get better. Calvin Cater did that. Mm -hmm. He went back to Boston. He got to sharpening his tools. And DC. when he went back in there on Saturday night, he was much better than he was the last time we DC, saw him. DC, you got to call him. And to be DC, a, yes. I'm interrupting you, right? I know it's Calvin Cater, but when you say Qatar, it sounds like it gives you a little boost, man. <laughs> okay. It sounds like it sounds okay. big time, hey, bro. Listen. Like Calvin Cater. You know when you do that, when you go, but DC, but DC, but DC. The other day I had a weird deja vu because you did this one time when you were interviewing me when I was fighting. And I was like, I've heard this. But DC, but DC, but you had a flat, you had a horrible flat top at the time. And I'm glad that we have moved on DC, from that, Ryan Clark. What I, had, moved what I had was called a burst fade. The fact that you cannot oh. grow these things means that you won't go to the barber shop and ever get an opportunity to ask for one of these. But when you say the evolution, rate. when you're talking about the evolution of Calvin Cater, then what's next for him, DC? You know, it's it's continuing to move back up the rankings. Now we've seen him against the best, the elite of the elite of the division in Max Holloway. He didn't fare so well. Yeah. But the Calvin Cater we saw on Saturday night showed improvement. Now, the one thing I think that he took the most from the previous fight was he wasn't getting pushed backwards anymore. He went in there with an idea that he was going to be the hammer yeah, opposed not, to being the nail, Ryan. And he kept the pressure in, in the on the entire fight, he was the time. Nail. Yeah, he kept the pressure oh, on the goodness. entire time. It was it was actually relentless. And you can kind of see Jiga uh, uh Jakate, Jakate kind of starting to wilt and falter under the yep. pressure. It was kind of the first time we'd seen him in this position since becoming or since being in the UFC. And now when you're Calvin Cater and you have the microphone after the fight and you're inside the oh. octagon, you have an opportunity to you have an opportunity to position yourself, right? To put yourself in a different spot and be able to call out your next guy, especially when your performance is so impressive against an up-and-comer in the UFC. UFC. Did Calvin Cater miss an opportunity to set himself up for the next fight? Is there a Brian Ortega? Or can you even call for Alexander Volkanovsky in the sense that, you know, he's fighting number four now. It's not necessarily that he's fighting yeah. the next guy up. They skipped over Yair Rodriguez. And so maybe in this sense or in this mm -hmm. opportunity, Calvin Cater could have put himself in those discussions. You know what the problem with that is, Ryan? I, for a long time, have had an issue with guys not taking the initiative. You know, the guys that are the best on the microphone, you see a lot of them doing the job that we're doing right now. Yeah. Chael Sonnen was a master at grabbing that microphone after the fight and making the statement. Yep. I always had something planned. Michael Chandler, when he beat... When he beat uh, Dan, Dan Hooker, Hooker right. had something planned, right? No matter what, in those moments, you'll never have more eyes on you than in that moment in the middle of the octagon. you got to call your shot. You have got to start to set yourself up for the next thing. Mm -hmm. I do believe Calvin Cater missed an opportunity. But I think when you're on the receiving end of the beating that he took in the previous fight, yeah. you're almost just relieved to come back and get a victory. So if... The only negative thing that we have to say about Calvin Cater is that he didn't set up the next thing. That's a great position for Calvin Cater to be in because 
when he got hit by Max Holloway 500 times, yeah. you never knew he could be the same guy. Mm-hmm. He not only was the same guy, he was a better was version. A better fighter. And I yeah. think this is another chance for Chikadze to learn not to look forward because the momentum he had built allowed for him to start to say, you chose the Korean Zombie because it's an easy fight champion. Why not me? You can't talk about why not me when you still got a tough guy like Calvin Cater standing in front of you on Saturday night. So for a young guy like Giga, and he's not a young guy, but young, but young, young in his mixed martial arts career, yeah. yes, young in the UFC, it's an opportunity for him to learn. I got to keep my eyes solely focused on what's in front of me right now or you end up where he is today, licking his wounds. Yeah, and I think sometimes when you have some of the impressive performances that he's had, you actually beat a guy who was a former champion, you start to feel yourself a little bit, and you think that you should deserve certain opportunities that you truly haven't earned yet. But we're starting to see this with more and more young fighters, whether it's Islam uh, Makachev or if it's um, you know Chemayev. These, these guys who are winning these fights in Impressively, young in their careers are starting to meet, be more vocal about the people we want to fight. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sugar Sugar Sean O'Malley is one of the most popular fighters in the UFC, um, and he's a guy who's recently gotten rank. And so, I think that guys like Chikatse see these people position themselves, become stars, kind of even before they've earned the big fight. And I think that's just what he was trying to do. And let's be honest. When you watch kind of the mastery of Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater, the last fight, you you do overlook him a little bit. You do look yeah, at Max yeah, Holloway. But you, you got to be Max Holloway to do that, right? Exactly. But man, you got to be Max Holloway to do that. Right. And the whole time I'm watching Calvin Cater this weekend uh, fight against <laughs> Shikatsu, I'm thinking to myself, God dang, how good Max Holloway how good must is Max be. Holloway? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> that the entire time, um, DC, and I think that's one of those things that are crazy to me. But speaking of Max, now that Max is out of the fight with Alexander Volkanovski, you know, he moves on to fighting the Korean Zombie. And so, how do you see this division with that fight upcoming? What we've seen Calvin Cater do, obviously Ortega losing to Volk in the last fight, and then Max Holloway consistently and constantly looming because we know who that dude is. Many people believe he's the true champion of this division. So where is this division after this fight with Volk and the Korean Zombie? And how do you see that going? Well, that's to your point. Like this right here almost solidifies your point. The Korean Zombie lost, not last fight, but the one prior. But it could be something so simple as a T-shirt. The Korean Zombie still has the most important t-shirt in fight history, right? He is a guy that people are drawn to. And he doesn't even speak English. <laughs> he doesn't right. even really speak English. Right. But they're drawn to Chan Sung Jung. And because of that, that's why he's fighting for the title. So you understand why guys are trying to be more vocal. Because in these situations, in these moments where they look at a guy that needs to be replaced, they may go to, people know this one. People mm-hmm. know this dude, even if the fighting doesn't match it all the time right so it's a great fight but this one is built on exactly what you were explaining a second ago mm-hmm. the korean zombies number four guy in the world but he's he's not a, he hasn't been a world beater lately he got beat bad by brian ortega but now he finds himself in the championship fight after winning one more fight so that just speaks to how important your profile is yeah. in mixed martial arts today now when you look at the matchup 
between him and the champion, it's hard to really choose anybody over the champ today mm -hmm. because of his supremely well-rounded skill set, his cardio, his champion's mentality. Alexander Volkanovsky has not lost in so long, and he is starting to make it look easier. So if you look at the Korean Zombie, he has got his work cut out, cut out for him. But Volkanovsky will stand with you. And when you stand with the zombie, you are always in danger because that guy has dynamite in his hands. Yeah, and I, and I think that's what makes this fight exciting, right? We, we, we've seen the Korean zombie be exciting. We've seen Alex, Alexander Volkanovsky stand in front of some of the best in the world, whether it's Max Holloway, if it's, if it's Brian Ortega. This is a fighter that will not back down. He's not running, and we say it in football all the time, this dude ain't running from contact. And so anytime you have a fighter that will actually stand in the pocket, there's a possibility and sometimes a probability that they'll get caught. But we've seen Alexander Volkanovsky in trouble, right? We saw him in trouble to Max Holloway. We saw him in trouble to Brian Ortega in the third round. Uh -huh. But we've always watched the champ make champ moves. And I believe that's what everybody believes about Alexander Volkanovsky. But the excitement in the fight with the Korean Zombie is the explosion that's possible to happen. And I think that's on, that's on both yep. ends. And so even... Even if we don't get someone that can unseat the champion, we get someone that's going to push the champion. And let's be honest, bro. And give as, you a great fight. And give you, I'm about to say, as fans, we're looking for a great fight. The, 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 the winner doesn't always matter to us. It's the matter in which they uh -huh. fight. Like, I didn't, I didn't care who walked out of the octagon in Madison Square Garden as the winner between Gaethje and Chandler. What I cared about was <laughs> the way those two men went to battle, and that's the type of fight we were expecting to see from Alexander Volkanovsky and the Korean Zombie. Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. It's going to be a fun fight. You've seen the zombie involved in so many classic fights over the course of his career. And you know that when he gets this opportunity, one that was unexpected against the champion Alexander Volkanovsky, he is going to be willing to go out on his shield. So it should make for a fantastic night. Now, another fight that just got announced, RC, should be fun also. Yep. But it should not only be fun for the matchup. It should be fun for all the things that will surround it. Now, this is one I thought we may see as coaches of the Ultimate Fighter to kind of make the interactions linger, but no. We get Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal, UFC 272. How happy are you that this fight has been made finally? It's a non-title main event, yeah. something we don't see very often. Mm -hmm. And is it the right time for this fight? Or was this fight destined to happen a little bit ago when Masvidal had all that momentum, Covington had all that momentum, being that both of the guys are now coming off losses. No, you know, and, and, and I think it would have always been a good fight for Jorge, uh, Jorge Masvidal. I don't necessarily know if it was always the right fight for Kobe Covington, and, and we can go through it as much as we want right now. Kobe Covington is the second best 170 pounder in the world. Like he, he truly yes. is. And, yes. so, and so when he was fighting and when he was in those conversations, it actually made no, made, made no sense for him to drop down and fight a guy like Masvidal. That's in my opinion. Now, for Masvidal, it's a huge fight. You obviously have the backstory, you have the bad blood, and you would have been fighting a guy that was ranked as the number one contender. And so I think even though we would have liked to see it at the heights of their careers, let's be honest. The dude that they've both lost to most, most recently, 
is the best fighter in the world in his division, and maybe the best fighter and, pound and, well, for no, pound. Pound for pound. Yeah, yeah. you know, and so and pound so and so, and so to me, to me, right? That doesn't take away from this matchup. This matchup still is what it always was. Two extremely good fighting fighters, two really, really exciting humans to watch build fights and bad blood. That hasn't changed. The, the, the only thing we can say when these dudes fight, that's gonna be a negative. Well, neither one of them could beat Kamara Uzman. Can't nobody else beat him. <laughs> Right? Don't nobody, <laughs> nobody else beat him either. And so Nobody's I, beating him. And so to me, this is actually kind of the perfect time for this fight because one of these men will now again propel themselves into the consciousness of the UFC fans as a contender. And then depending on how things shake out for Kamaru Usman in 2022, maybe get another shot if somebody in Tamaya is able to unseat Kamaru Usman. <laughs> That, that's what's going to have to happen for either of these guys to fight for a championship again, especially being that they both lost to Kamara Usman two times. But the last time someone headlined a, a pay-per-view without a championship on the line, the BMF title was created for Masvidal versus Diaz. Those guys fought. Masvidal was the champion. This fight I don't think needs a championship. But does the BMF title... Does that title add a little something to the pay-per-view when these two fight? Now, when you look at these two, right, when you look at these guys fight, obviously McGregor Poirier, uh, th that trilogy, those last two fights weren't for championships and they main evented. But the last time anyone but McGregor main evented a pay-per-view, it was Masvidal uh, versus Diaz, and the BMF title was on the line. I think stylistically for Colby Covington, this is a great fight. Yes. Because he feels like he can go and ground Jorge mm -hmm. Masvidal out. A lot of people believe, people from within the sport of mixed martial arts think that it's going to look like Robbie Lawler versus Kobe Covington, where Kobe is just trying to overwhelm him with his pressure. But what you don't understand is the improvements that Jorge Masvidal has made in the wrestling. His ability to counter a lot of the things that Covington may have been able to do to him in years past. The guy is a much better fighter today, and he's a much better fighter because of his interactions with Kamaru Usman. Yeah. Even though he lost those fights, he got better preparing for the champion. When they were training together before, he was just a guy that had won a lot, but had also lost a lot. Mm -hmm. Now he had a guy that has lived and tried to attain championships. <laughs> yes. And that changes you. And I think Jorge Masvidal today is better. Is that good enough to beat Kobe Covington? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that this is a fight that can headline a pay-per-view. And this is a fight that even without the BMF title will sell a lot of pay-per-views and both of these guys will make a ton of money. You know, you know, I absolutely agree with that. And I'm just excited. I'm excited to watch it. These are two really good fighters. And I think sometimes that's lost in their banter, right? That, that, that's lost in that's the way that they That's a crazy thing, deal. though, right, RC? Isn't that crazy, RC, that we are living in a world now today where two really good fighters just ain't enough? It's yeah. almost like we got to see <laughs> yeah. the great fighters. Right. And we're so spoiled. Right. We're so spoiled with seeing these great fighters that when you look at two great fighters in their own right, mm -hmm. just maybe not the best in the world fight, people are like, well, is it pay-per-view worthy? Dude, there was a time where 
guys didn't have championships or were headline pay-per-views. Right. They weren't half the fighters that Jorge Masvidal and Kobe Covington are today. But boy, we're spoiled, aren't we, RC? Hey. We are living in a spoiled world as MMA fans. Hey, man, we we absolutely are. But that's what's that's what's fun about the way that this sport has ascended, though, right? Is that we do have stars now, and a lot of times those stars are attached to championship belts. But to me, even more than championship belts, DC, they're they're attached to championship moments. You know, it, it's not necessarily yep. just the fact that you walk out of the octagon as the champ, right? With, with that designation, it's the way that you get it, right? It's the things that you have to overcome. And a lot of times it's the opponent you have to overcome. The fact that Juliana Pena is now the champion, like that's <laughs> cool, right? But it's the fact that she's the champion because she submitted Amanda Nunes. It's those championship it, moments that make people transcend in your mind. And your girl, your girl Amanda Nunes is leaving American Top Team now. I read an start, article start yesterday. Squad. The last time she lost, yeah, the whole time she's going to open her own spot, which is great. But Amanda doesn't deal well with losing. She leaves her team every single time. The last time she lost to Katzengano, she left her team. Yeah. Now she's leaving ATT. Yeah, no room for error whenever you're coaching Amanda Nunes because she will kick you to the curb. And guess what? Athletes got to be selfish, right, RC? They got to yeah. put themselves yeah, above about all. You. So now she's going to take everything in her own hands and be responsible for her own career, which uh, hats off to Amanda. But as we talk about two former training partners now being scheduled to fight, that seems to be the theme because this weekend we have the same thing. The heavyweights will be locked into the octagon in Anaheim. Francis Ngannou will be fighting against Cyril Gan. This is the third heavyweight unification title fight. Brock Lesnar fought Frank Mir. Brock Lesnar won. Brock Lesnar fought Shane Carwin, Brock Lesnar won. The only time an interim champion has won was when Fabricio Verdun beat my guy Cain Velasquez in Mexico City 2015. When you look at this one and you look at two, these two behemoths, how excited are you to see Francis and Surreal <laughs> finally mix it up in the pond out in Anaheim? Man, I think this is absolutely phenomenal. This is something that the sport needed. And I believe that Dana White understood that. That's why we have an interim title. We have an interim title because it continues to build the tension for this match. We obviously know that Surreal Gan is a world-class fighter. Francis Ngannou is the champion and can put your lights out in any second. But now that you have an interim champ, champ and a heavyweight champ, you understand the backstory of the fact that these guys, you know, started in the same place. Francis Ngannou left. Now Francis Ngannou is dealing with, okay, if I win this fight, now I have the championship side of my deal. There's so much that continues to go into this fight. But in the end, it's going to be two world-class fighters, two of the baddest men in the entire world stepping into the octagon to put it down, bro, to like flat out go at it. And yeah. we're going to see the best of the best the UFC has to offer because ain't nobody beating these two dudes. Like it, whoever, whoever mm. wins this fight is the baddest man mm. in the world. If they drop down mm -hmm. to 205 and fight Glover, Glover Teixeira, they gonna beat him. They drop down to 185 and fight <laughs> uh, Izzy, they gonna beat him. 170, Kamaro, beat him. And so what I'm saying is, this is for the baddest man in the world. This is the real BMF, bro. 
This is the real I'm the dude. And so you have to be excited about that and excited that both of these men have the skill to push one another. And also both of these men have an opportunity to end this fight at any single time. You just say crazy stuff every single week. You just, it's like you just literally, you just literally want people to get mad at you. Go down and beat Glover. Go beat Izzy. Go beat Kamaru. Like dog, you don't have to just say that. Like, Why you is don't it have crazy to say though? That. Okay, I'm DC. Because, DC, because it's already understood. But DC, you act like I said I can beat him up. I can't beat up no, nobody in the UFC. No, RC. I'm sweating. Like every time I can't. You get me I can't sweating. beat Brandon Marino in a fight. Or Legos, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, see, no, the, not me. Because guys. it's stated, right? The heavyweight champ is the baddest man on the planet. You don't have to tell all these other bad men that they get beat up by the heavyweight champion, right? You just don't have to say it. Hey, Ryan, Troy Polamalu, right? Look at that. Look at that smile on his face. Look at that. Troy Polamalu was the hardest hitter in the NFL, right? Was he not? No, was he, I was actually, a, was he a I hard? actually hit harder than Troy. At that so then what was Troy what was was Troy Palomalu the best safety in the NFL? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Did anybody have to keep telling Troy Palomalu that? Did you, I didn't need to go to you and say Ryan Troy Palomalu is the best safety in the, or the next guy or the next. Guy. You just tell well, me all the of these safety. dudes that are think they're the baddest man. You, but you but you want to tell them how bad the heavyweight and how bad the heavyweight put it on them. Dude, let me tell you something. You don't have to make more enemies, Bro, but it's okay. I will let you continue. Here's to do what's that crazy. Yourself. Here's what's crazy. You didn't have to point that out though. Right? Like, I could have said it, and we could have moved on. But you're trying to gain friends, right? You want Glover to be your friend. You want Israel Adesanya to be your friend. Kamaru Uzman to be your friend, right? I do, I do. Right? You want do, Charles do, Oliveira do. to be your do, friend. Alexander Volkanovski, Brandon Because you're scared of all the champs. Right? It ain't my fault. It ain't my fault that I ain't going to jump if if Diaz, if Nick, uh, Nate Diaz this is at me. Oh, Oh, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you. I've got a message. I've got a message for you from Nate Diaz, but I can't really say it on air. But uh, <laughs> Nate Diaz did. <laughs> Nate Diaz did tell me to send you a message. Okay. I will definitely text it to you. But I forgot. I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot. But I cannot repeat on air what Nate Diaz told me to tell you, dog. It's crazy, but um. <laughs> Let's get to the heavyweight title. Wow, I am sweating profusely right now. Look at my face. This is absolutely crazy. Is it hot over there, they're, DC? They're, guys, they're, they are getting at ESPN Los Angeles. They got me in this room. It is so hot, you would not believe it. But, Ryan, in terms of the heavyweights, the matchup in Ganu, unbelievably powerful. Cyril Gan, tremendously talented. This, what he has done in 10 fights is unheard of. Nobody gets to be the heavyweight champion of the okay. world in any fashion yep. at 10-0. Cyril Gan has not made any mistakes. When you look at the matchup, man, it seems as though it's a great matchup for Cyril. And I got to be honest, man, I've heard whispers that all the, the things that Francis is dealing with outside of the actual fight may be taking its toll a little bit mentally. I'm not sure. But we will see. I know that Francis Ngannou is a man. Mm -hmm. And he is going to fight in any circumstance. And he's got the ultimate equalizer. But he has got to be locked in if he is going to keep his championship after Saturday night. No, you're absolutely right, man. And I'm, I'm excited to see Francis Ngannou lock in. And also, what game plan Cyril Gan has. He's always seemed to have a better game plan than his, than his opponent. Yep. You, can't, you don't have to... 
we can't necessarily say that about Francis because sometimes it's about I'm going to stand in front of you. I think I'm a better man than you are, and the power takes over. And so Bigger, batter. Bigger, batter, bigger right? batter. So I'm, I'm excited. Bigger, to, when you're bigger and you're batter, you're like, hey, we can do this. Yes. You're going to fall before I'm going to fall. Absolutely. Right? That's how Francis approaches it. Yeah, well, we saw that with, with, with who? What? Uh, Rosenstrike, I believe it was. Uh, Al- Alistair Overheem. Yep. You know, we've seen him stand in yep. front of oh. men that were bad men. Yo, remember and- what he did to Alistair? Remember what he did to Alistair? Bro. Oh, my God. Bro, yo, we, we, we got to jump him, DC. If he do me that mean, you got to jump him, bro. We got to jump him, dog. Dog, did you see what? Oh, my goodness. If he do that to me, we got to catch him somewhere and get him because that was dog, crazy we, what we he got- did to Overheem. What's- Speaking of getting people, DC, uh, we're going to have a draft. What I'm asking you to do in this draft of top KO artists in combat sports. So it could be UFC, boxing, ultimate frog championship, chess fighting, whatever it is. (laughs) We're going to pick our five. It's a draft, right? So I go, it's a snake draft. I go, then you go, you go, I go. So that's how it works, all right? Corporate Jake, let's start it off. When did you, your first so as, as, as Ryan said, this will be a snake draft. Once a fighter is picked, that fighter is no longer eligible to be drafted. We will go five rounds. So to start off okay. round one, Ryan Clark, you're on the clock. And number one, brrr, Iron Mike <laughs> of Tyson. Of course. Of course, you Tyson. Yes, well, of course he would take Tyson. If there is anyone in the modern era of fighting who is synonymous with knockouts, that is Mike Tyson. That is my explanation. Yes. The end. You're right. That's right. Um, you get a Mike Tyson, um, you take him first in a draft about power. So it's time for me to make my first pick. My first pick, I'm actually going to take the heavyweight champion of the world, Francis Ngannou. Mm. I'm going to take Francis Ngannou as... My number one pick because what I have seen him do to people in the mixed martial arts, to people inside of the octagon, it's unheard of. They just found Alistair Overeem's head from that uppercut a few years ago. He knocked out Stipe Miocic with his offhand. The way that he can put people to sleep, truly, truly crazy. And I take Francis Ngannou as my most powerful knockout punch of all time. So, so DC, you up. You got to go again. DC with your second round pick. Oh, oh, it's me? He's not okay, even ready. Okay. He's not even ready, guys. You know guys. what I'm going to take? No, 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 I'm telling you, you know what I'm going to take? I didn't think I was going to get to go second. But I'm going to take the heavyweight champ, the guy that is calling out Francis Ngannou, because I have seen him put people to sleep for years. I'm taking Tyson Fury. The way that he mm. knocks people out, the way that he put Deontay Wilder out, mm. Tyson Fury is so big and powerful. He can shut your lights out in no time. Now, Ryan, here's my thing when I think about power especially in boxing. It's not always about the guy that just puts you out with one punch. It's his ability to set you up, put you in a spot to end your night. Tyson Fury does that better than anyone. At number two, I'm going to go with Derek Lewis, right? Most knockouts, most knockouts in the UFC, right? This is a dude. And listen, Derek Lewis ain't really winning fights no other way, D.C., we're not walking into fights being like, oh, we can't wait to see Derek Lewis get into the ground game and submit and show us that great black belt ju- uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We're not like, oh, my goodness, let's watch some of this Khabib Nomorgomedov grappling. No, Derek Lewis is coming into the fight. He is standing in front of you, and he is putting your lights out at number three because it's my team, my turn again. 
Now listen to this. I need you to listen carefully. And when mm -hmm. the graphic is made, Corporate Jake, I needed to have uh. in parentheses the second part of what I say. I'm going at number three, Kimbo Slice in the streets. Or oh, Kimbo Slice, you're the street fighter. You're absolutely tripping. You're absolutely tripping. You're, you're tripping. You're tripping. You can't put, sorry, bro. Hey, knock on wood. Knock on God wood. God rest your soul. You know, RIP to the great Kimbo Slice. Man, you cannot put Kimbo Slice on the list of greatest knockout punches. Next thing you know, you're going to say Jake Paul. If you say Jake Paul, I mean, you, say you might you as say well it? say Jake Paul in this point. Hey, DC, straight up. Did you want to, would you want to see Kimbo in the street with them hands where you can't wrestle him? Bro, come on. But Ryan, come on, man. Kimbo Slice. Ryan, you tripping, man. Come on, Ryan. You know better than that, man. No, Ryan, you know better than no, that, man. No, straight up. No, when, we, when, when they post this graphics, when they post this graphic, are all the UFC fans going to kill me? Absolutely. Oh, you casual. You don't know nothing. Bro, I used to sit and watch those YouTube videos on repeat, dog. The man knocked somebody's eye out, DC. He knocked his whole <laughs> eye out. Now, that guy was extremely tough because he was laughing about it. Bro, we ain't laughing after you knock my whole eyeball out. That man was eyeball hanging. Hanging, bro. I understand. Your turn. I understand. I understand. My turn. Big George himself. George Foreman. Mm. Dude, I trained with George Foreman before I went back to fighting my last couple fights, and I watched him hit the bag. At his age today, the way he makes impact, Ryan, his hands are so big. The way that he punches that bag, and the way that he did the great Joe Frazier, do you remember him do, making Joe Frazier do the chicken dance? I do. It's one thing to make somebody do the chicken dance, but it's another thing to do it to Joe Frazier. Yeah. The way that he did Joe Frazier, man, unbelievable. My man, big George Foreman. People know him for the grills. People know him for the grills. <laughs> the grills. Right? The grill. 45. The he hands. Knocked, <laughs> the he, hands. He knocked out Michael Moore to become the oldest heavyweight champion yep. in boxing history. So, yes, for me, Big George Foreman. You want to know who's my next one? Manos de Piedra. Roberto Duran. Good Hands call. of stone. Roberto Duran. Hands DC. of stone. For a light guy. Hey, Ryan. For a light guy. Monster. He would put Monster. people out. Roberto Duran, for me, they told me go quick, but manos de piedra, hands of stone, Roberto Duran. So at number four, you mentioned him and you try to kind of throw shade at him, but mine is Joe Frazier. The, the wars that he had. He's the man. The wars that he had I with Muhammad him. Ali, uh, that, that left hook, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. And at number five, DC, and yes, you can use this, number five, Clubber Lang from Rocky Three. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Dude, you're tripping. You actually just pick. You just pick Mr. T. Did you really just pick Mr. T? Clubber Lane. I done pulled. <laughs> Clubber. <laughs> Dog, you actually picked Mr. T. Like, you're tripping. Like, at this point, you're trying to let me win the read. You're trying to let me win this draft. Like, because that is madness. How you going to pick Mr. T? Hey, man. The dude had hands, bro. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> bro, can I also, can I also go slash, can I go slash oh Ivan God. Drago? Ivan Drago killed Apollo, bro. Can we, Corporate Jake, slash 
Ivan Drago. I was sad. Rocky Four. I was so sad. Yeah, I was so sad. Yeah, that's my number five. Though. I was though. so sad when he killed Apollo. That's my number five. No, when he killed Apollo, I was so <laughs> yeah, sad. Like I never been so sad in the movie <laughs> than when he killed Apollo because hey, if he Apollo dies, he was acting a fool on his way to the ring. Living in when America. Apollo was on his way to the ring and James Brown. Oh my goodness! It was literally one of my favorite movie scenes ever. Look Can at I do that my list. last one because now I'm, you. I mean, that is insane. And you got out. You also got six. But let me just add the last one for some some clarity to tell people that we are not just messing around. Vladimir Klitschko, the older Klitschko. Yeah. Uh, no, sorry, the younger Klitschko. Vitaly was the older Klitschko. Vladimir, 6'6", 250. The one-two that he had, especially when he went with Emmanuel Stewart. When Emmanuel Stewart started training him, the way Emmanuel taught him to throw the right hand behind the jab, it was a thing of beauty. Was. He was knocking people out. He held the belt for years and years and years until he ran into who? Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Nobody could beat Vladimir Klitschko, yep. right, until he ran into Tyson Fury. So my last one is going to be Vladimir Klitschko. You remember Shannon Briggs used to chase him all around? Let's all go, champ. You oh, eating, champ? I want to eat, time. champ. I want to eat, champ. What you doing, champ? You on the boat, champ? I want to eat. Bro, look at but my list. But this is the right list. My list is so much this better than yours, list. bro. Dog, your list is actually ridiculous. It just says slice streets. Like, who slices the streets? Corporate Jake. I mean, come on. Kimbo slicing the streets. Mike Tyson. Derek Lewis. Joe Frazier. Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago. This dude has lost his mind. Bro, tell me and this, Donald, Fury, Foreman, Duran, Klitschko. Tell me this. Let's when go. I, when, I picked, when I picked Ivan Drago, that's what made you think of Klitschko, right or wrong? Right or wrong? What? When I picked What'd Ivan, you say? When I picked Ivan Drago, that's what made Klitschko pump, bump, jump into your head. Because you was like, if there was a real-life Ivan Drago, it'll be Klitschko. Man. This. <laughs> this. I found this. I found this. RC. False. I think this is false. False. That is not what made me think about Vladimir Klitschko. I found this thing here at the ESPN Los Angeles Studios. False and true. False. False. Whatever, man. But you know what is true? You know what is true, Ryan? Brandon Moreno yeah. and Davison Figueredo will fight for the third time this weekend in Anaheim. The trilogy. Brandon Moreno and Figueredo had an all-time classic in the first fight. The second fight, Moreno may have had the greatest performance as a challenger in a title fight that I have ever seen. I think of Rafael Dos Anjos against Benson Henderson as a challenger. Conor McGregor when he knocked out Jose Aldo, obviously. But Moreno's performance in Arizona was on par with that. How do you see this fight this weekend taking place? And how excited are you that Moreno gets to fight Dustaguerra? Davis and Figueredo for the third time in Anaheim. I, I, I think this fight goes differently than both of the first fights. I can't see him. I can't see Brandon uh, Moreno dominating the way he did in the second fight, submitting Davison uh, Figueredo. But Figueredo. But I do think that Brandon Moreno wins. It's something when I watched the first fight, and that's when I was really really first kind of not introduced to Davidson Figueredo, but it was the Figueredo, but the fights leading up to that was, was when I really learned about him and started to kind of dive deep into who he was. And dude's just a flat out monster. And then you see this, this nice yep. guy, Brandon Marino, walk into the ring smiling and happy. And he has the, the whole, you know, the set where he's walking in like this. And I'm like, oh, 
This is going to be over quick. And he absorbed punishment <laughs> in that fight, DC. And not only absorbed punishment, but stayed the course, stayed with this skill, continued to pressure, continued to move forward. And in the second fight, he overwhelmed him from the beginning of the fight until the rear naked choke. And so I think that he has an understanding that he is not only as good or as tough as Davidson is, that he's tougher and that he's better. And I think he wins this fight again, but I believe we get some of the first fight, fight's excitement, especially early yeah. from Davidson Figueredo, who I know will be trying to prove a point that he is the true champion. You know, especially with him moving over to Arizona, training with mm -hmm. Henry Cejudo, uh, regardless of what you think of Henry Cejudo, he's a weird little guy. He's, he's, he can be annoying, but he does understand how to win, and he can train fighters to get to the next level. Let's see what his impact is on Figueredo. Now, Figueredo's a brute, right? That's what made people start to really take notice because he was knocking out people at 125 pounds. Who does that? He knocked out Joseph Benavidez bad in Abu Dhabi to win the championship after he knocked him out the first time but yeah. didn't make weight so he didn't get the belt. Right. So the guy's an absolute brute. And when you saw Moreno stand up to that, when you saw him withstand Goodness gracious, that boy all ready the to pressure, roll. yes, you're like, wow, this kid's good. Look at look at how ripped up this dude is. This dude Look is like you, D.C. Training down in... Uh, it, it, back in the day. You know what I'm saying, right? Back <laughs> in the day. Well, sometimes I still look like that. When you got but, hair. Um, well, yeah, I have hair, beautiful hair. But this guy is is a fantastic fighter. He's a very talented fighter. But in the last fight, Moreno showed fighting behind that beautiful jab, mm -hmm. really setting the tempo in the pace of the fight. That if he stays within himself, Davidson has trouble dealing with him. Yeah, I think he picked that up in the first fight. Mm -hmm. He was able to withstand the the the, power. the, 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 the avalanche. Yeah. He was able to take the power. He was able to land things. And if there was any hesitancy on his part in fight one, by the time they got locked into the octagon in the second fight, it was all gone. Mm -hmm. And he pitched an absolute shutout yeah. to submit Davidson Figueredo in the way that he did. Figueredo's the one behind the eight ball now, RC, yeah. because he and Henry Cejudo and that team, they had to do some real work to try to close the gap on the assassin baby. Like that. Isn't that crazy, though? that Davidson Figueredo <laughs> had to do work to close the gap on Brandon Moreno when he was fighting. Yeah. Davidson Figueredo was fighting at such a high level. I'm telling you, going into that fight, I, I, I just knew that the power would be too much for Brandon Moreno to withstand. And it wasn't that he never tasted it. It wasn't that he never had to absorb that punishment. He just did. And he kept moving forward. And yeah. that was when you saw that he not only had the heart of a champion, but the chin of a champion, the skill of a champion. And as you said, the next fight, he pitched the shutout until Davidson Figueredo tapped out through the submission. But you know what, DC? You got something to say? Go what ahead. What was that? I was about to yeah, tap in, no, tap I'm out, just saying, for a guy, just one quick thing. For, for Brandon Moreno, RC, and we've seen this with these athletes, a guy, Mexican kid, uh, grew up down there in Tijuana. You saw the mural drawn of him the day after he won the championship. To go through all that he went through, being outside of the UFC, getting cut, going to the ultimate fighter was the last pick when they picked the teams. To have that opportunity and then to have it a second time, you, you knew, Ryan. You knew that he would take full advantage of yep. it. And now as a champion, his confidence is sky high. Yep. Now let's get to your segment, my man. It's your segment.
Hey, it's time to let's tap go. in or tap out. DC, let's get our boy Corporate Jake back in here for the 2022 because you know I was listening to that juvie that took over for the 99 and the 2000. I, I can't believe he still. I can't believe he still got it in your RC. I really, I really can't. Don't let the don't let the preacher college fool you. Do Corporate not. Corporate Jake. All right, guys. Number two ranked welterweight <laughs> Gilbert Burns is pleading to Dana White for a main event fight in Brazil against Hamzat Shemaev. DC, tap in or tap out on Burns versus Hamzat being the next fight for both men. I tap in. I tap all the way in. Burns Shemaev in Brazil. Gilbert will test him in ways that he has not been mm -hmm. tested. Also a five-round main event. And will also tell us if Chemayev's ready to take the next step. Ryan, you predicted that he would be fighting for the championship in this year. I said maybe he'd be the one contender looking at 23. He beats Gilbert Burns. He will definitely fight for the championship in 2022. Absolutely. And, and that's why I tap in. I, I know sometimes and many people are going to think this is a fast track for Chemayev. And really it is when you get an opportunity to fight someone who's as established as Gilbert, Gilbert Burns. But... We constantly have the conversations of, is uh, Chemayev ready right now? And this will let us know if he comes in and he dominates yep. this fight or if he's taken to deep water and ends up beating Gilbert Burns, we know that he's a guy that's on the, not only on the path but ready to challenge the champion, Kamaru Uzman. Could you imagine though, if he dominates Gilbert Burns? Could you imagine so scary, the windstorm bro. that will blow? It will be so scary. It will be crazy if he dominates Gilbert Burns in the way that he has to this point. This is an absolute have-to-have matchup between these two. Corporate Jake. RC, we know you're always dressed to the nines, but have you ever thought about fighting while looking sharp? Tap in or tap out on fighting in dress clothes. Oh. First off, <laughs> tap in. I'm tapping in, first off, and here's why I'm tapping in, DC. I have fought dressed up before. So this wouldn't be nothing new to me. Like, I, bro, I've thrown, bro, I've thrown hands in hard bottom shoes. I am not tripping at all. Really? This is real men wear pink and real men fighting hard bottoms. I am tapping all the way in in this. Absolutely, DC. The clothes, listen, the clothes don't make the fighter. The fighter makes the clothes. Let's go. Where where is it? It's like it kind of looks like like I don't know, man. It looks like in the middle of a big tent somewhere. They're slipping and sliding all over the place. It's better to be in no shoes than in dress shoes when you're fighting. Uh, it's dangerous, and this is an absolute mismatch. I don't know who's the matchmaker hey, for this no organization. There's no weight classes. There's no weight classes. No <laughs> way. The one big dude was just beating the crap out of the little dude. Hey, bro, you know this you know, look I'm gonna like tap out. this look I'm like tapping out. it's too slippery. This look like when the dudes on Peaky Blinders fights. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's a Peaky <laughs> Blinders fight for sure. Absolutely. Here we go. Dress you fighting. I love it. All right, guys, one more. <laughs> you guys talked about the first take interview from years back. Well, we were able to find it, so let's take a look. DC, I'm a Louisiana boy, so I'm a huge oh, fan. I'm a big fan, and I followed your career. I've watched you fight heavyweight and knock out guys much bigger than you. I remember the epic battle with the Mauler. I've seen you taste leather for Rumble Johnson and then submit him. But John Jones was the biggest challenge you faced. What makes you confident that this time can be different than the first fight that you guys had? Uh, you know what, man? I, I just kind of, uh, I've gotten better. You know, I have improved in every facet of mixed martial arts. Um, last fight, Ryan, I was super emotional as I went to the octagon. All I wanted to do was fight with John Jones. I was so mad. I didn't really go into the octagon to compete. 
I've been competing since I was a really young boy uh, all around the world in wrestling. When I'm in a competitive environment, I am very good at it. But just fighting, I'm not so good. I learned that down in Louisiana, Ryan. You know we get you get in street fights, no, no. and you don't win them all. But it's too emotional. If I want to fight John Jones, that doesn't have to be confined to me in the octagon. You know, I can go and walk up to him and just smack him if I need to just smack him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Tap My boy, in. you've been holding. Look at that. <laughs> tap in or tap out on Ryan Clark's hairstyle. Tap in. That joint will five. <laughs> Dude. No, hold on. I'm tapping out. Hey, hey, Ryan, Ryan, I'm tapping out on your hairstyle. I'm tapping out on my missing tooth in the front. Hey, like, missing I mean, tooth Ryan, look at I him. love that missing tooth, I mean, DC. We both just, and look how skinny I was. What you the heck so was going thin. on? Fighting. DC, Dude, you look good, what man. is happening? You look good, DC. No, I don't lie. I like. I look better right now. I look better right now. I feel I like good. I feel, no full, I feel more like. I feel more like a Louisiana boy. Hey, RC, RC, you ain't the only. I'm not the only one think I look better right now. You know, guys, just know that people, women in Louisiana, love me. The Ryan Clark's wife's friend saw me immediately and goes, "Oh, he's cute." Ryan Clark, oh don't even, God, his wife's friend was right away. His wife, his wife's friend, right away was like, "Yo, DC is so cute." Ryan got him a good co-host this time. So Ryan, let's go. Let's go. Don't think anything that we say in our text messages. Stay secret because it goes to DC. <laughs> my wife is going to kill me. Oh my gosh! Hey, I tell you what, I, I am, I am tapping out. I am tapping out on DC's missing tooth. I am tapping in hey, on my haircut. DC's I'll only hating because his cannot grow. Hey dog, and that's it. Looked bad. It looked bad. It looked nappy too. It looked it nappy. It was twisted. Why it was, did it look so nappy? No, it looked nappy, bro. Because you got to take Put it back up, guys. Put it back up. You take the sponge, and you use the sponge like this. That's nappy. Twist, that is not look, nappy. Look at my boy. Look at that edge, man. Let's take mine off. Let's That's, take my picture off. Let's take my picture off. No, no, no. Leave, leave your picture off. Skinny, skinny <laughs> with that missing tooth in your mouth. Hey, I'll tell you Dude. what. Hey, you look, like, you look like Benny from the block. That's what you look like. Right, like I off, look like one of them dudes off the Waterboy. I look like I was playing in the Waterboy move as one of the extras, <laughs> looking all sick in the face with no tooth in the middle. But RC, why it looks so nappy though? It looked real nappy. Was, I like this better. I prefer you brushing your hair now to that nappy do you had. It was nappy. It looked bad. Can we it talk about the fights bad. this week? Hey, everybody, lock in. We got fights this week. They're going to be real heavyweights, not skinny heavyweights like DC was. They're going to be throwing. <laughs> hey, we got grudge matches. We're so glad you came back nah, with nah. us and you tapped in and you tapped out. I learned how to yeah, say yeah. Calvin Cater. We missed y'all. DC was hating on me. But we it's missed y'all. good. I played music hey, for him. Ryan. You don't know what Donnie Hathaway is. Ryan, we missed him. We missed you guys, and obviously you guys missed us. Thank you for tuning in to the show last week. We're here every single Tuesday getting that, getting into it as we do, but also going down memory lane and looking at that Ryan cool. with that haircut. That was the start hey, of it, bro. Hey, Doug, we've glowed up, though. We, we kind of glowed up a little bit. They call it a glow up. <laughs> yes, we we kind of glowed up a little bit. <laughs> guys, make sure you tune in every single week. New episode of DC and RC is in your life next Tuesday. Till next time, peace.